Okay, good morning everyone. My name is Pastor Richard and I have the privilege of being uh, your minister and also the one who is going to bring God's word this morning. And uh, it's, uh, you know, so, um, so I was going to sign. Uh, Sean has uh, already given it all away. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I planned it all. Yeah, um, I believe that God has put all this together so that we can learn from him and gain wisdom and understanding so that we can foolproof our lives. We need to understand what that means, to foolproof our lives. The only way that you can foolproof your life is by gaining wisdom and by being in a relationship or having your heart filled with the one who has all wisdom and understanding. And so what that means is that you know the one who has control over all things. And as you learn your, have a relationship with him and gain from his word, you discover how everything works. And when you know how everything works, then you know how to live with wisdom and understanding. Not just for yourself, not just so you can grow in your relationship with Jesus, but so that you can tell and show and demonstrate to the world what wisdom looks like. We have a great responsibility, don't we? A great responsibility. We know the God of the universe. You know, he's our father and king. He's the one who teaches us. He's the one who loves us. And he's the one who says, go. Go and bear witness. Go and make disciples of all nations, all nations. Go throughout the world and teach them what true wisdom is and demonstrate how it looks and what it looks like in your life. And so we have this huge responsibility for the people around us, for the people in our world. We need to show them and demonstrate what it means to be truly wise. The true wise person is filled with joy no matter what situation they're in. They know what to do, they know how to live, and they know who's in control. And so as we learn and as we go through the book of Proverbs, we are learning many things about what that looks like. And today, as Sean said, we're going to be learning about generosity. Generosity, the wisdom of generosity and the change that can make. It's a very serious and very challenging topic, and so I pray that you'll be engaged I pray that you'll engage your minds and your hearts so that you may learn and grow through it. And together, we can be people who are really wise. And so before we begin, let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom of your word. But we thank you that uh, Jesus is the word who became flesh and all wisdom. And Lord, we pray that as we open your word and as we consider your word, that you may show us Jesus that we may be transformed and changed into his likeness as you do your work in us. And so, Lord, please take away the things that would distract us and, Lord, help us simply to hear your voice as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so uh, what's happened is, uh, you know, because of the, uh, the Proverbs, I'm not sure if you know, but uh, Proverbs are all over the book of Proverbs. So <laughs> There's all sorts of different Proverbs within uh, the book and uh, they're all in themes and topics, but they're not all together. And so we're going to have to be travelling through Proverbs and going through a few chapters and verses. And what I'll do is I think I'll go through the verses as we go. But the first two verses that we'll look at is um, John, um, uh, what is it? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 15 and 16. It says, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. 
So I'm going to look at that verse 16. The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. And so it's very important for us, I think, to think about you know, our attitude toward money, our attitude towards the things that we have and how we use them. Because you know we're at the end of the financial year, and so this is the time where people start considering their bottom line and their tax return. Uh, it's also the time where people say, um, can you please give money, isn't it? Where Light FM is asking for money and, you know, for the end of the financial year to give uh, tax deductible donations. And so this is a topic for us to, to look at and I think it's very important for us to see it. And so what we see first of all though is uh, this phrase, it's very striking. It says the wealth of the rich, no, it says the wages of the righteous is life. Now let us think about what that means. So you've got the righteous that have wages and the wicked who have earnings. And so what we're saying is you've got two types of people. One gets the same amount of money as the other, but there is a great difference. One who is a righteous person receives this wage and there's life comes from it, but there's a wicked person who receives the same amount of money and there's death that comes from that. What does that mean? That means that the wealth or possessions reveals what's in the heart. And so it makes a big difference. What we're saying here is that you imagine if you get a righteous man who loves the Lord, who has true wisdom, and then starts a business. Can you imagine somebody who owns a business and starts making good money? What would that Christian person do compared to a wicked person? Well, what we're saying here is that the righteous person, he will not take too much for himself. And so if you own a business and it's going well, what you do is you bless your workers. You pay them well. You look after them because you know it's all going well. What do you do with your customers? You give good prices. You give good loyalty. What do you do to your community? You bless your community. You bless the people who are poor in your neighbourhood. You, you know, you bless the other businesses in your neighbourhood. You know, you, you bless the community. And so if a lot of money was given to a righteous person, then they would bring life, not just to themselves, but to their families, to their workers, to their customers, and to their community. See? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Imagine if every wealthy business person or every business person that's doing well would actually give and be generous with their money. What you end up with is a community, yes, a community of people who love one another and take care of one another. But imagine the wicked person getting the same amount of money. He has a business and it's successful. And what happens though is he keeps the money for himself and he wants more and more. And so he'll pay the least amount of wages possible and he'll get the highest price for the product as he possibly can and he won't help anyone. As a matter of fact, he will look down on everyone because, you know, they're not as smart as he is. Can you see how that destroys community? You just have to look out there now to see what's going on. Do you see what's happening? There are people out there who are just receiving as much for themselves as possible without sharing anything at all. They're ripping off their workers. They're asking for biggest prices, the biggest price they could possibly get. And they don't care for the community at all. And you see, what that brings, of course, is the death of community, but it also brings poverty and death to those around them. 
So do you see the difference? The wicked fool will use all the money for himself, but the righteous will not take too much for himself. He will actually bless his community. And that's the wisdom that we're talking about. And so what we need to do is to say, are we these righteous people? You know, with the money or the income that you have, are you using it to bring life or are you using it to bring death? We need to be very careful about how we live and how we live according to God's word, don't we? And so we're going to be looking at it and seeing how that works in us because the love of money is a very, very powerful thing. It can destroy us. And so, you know, a wicked person or business owner can destroy a community, but a wicked person can destroy his own soul. And we are all at risk. We are all at risk. We need to see that. And so uh, Proverbs 11 verse 1 says, The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favour with him. Now that's interesting, isn't it? So, of course, we know what that that is. Dishonest scales. Do you know what that's like? Dishonest scales. And so you can imagine this set of scales and you say you want one kilo of flour. And so you put the, you know, the one kilo weight there and you, you keep putting the flour on until it balances and you go, that's great. And then after a while you think, wait a minute, if I started scraping a little bit off, you know, this, this, uh, this weight, I can keep more flour to myself. I can make more money. You see, that temptation is there. And so, uh, the Lord detests that. He calls it an abomination. Not just he doesn't like it, he calls it an abomination. You've got sexual immorality, you've got idolatry, they're abominations, but this too he calls an abomination. It is a terrible thing to do. Have you noticed anyone who does that? Do we do that today? We don't go scraping off um, weights, but what we do is we do clever accounting. Tax dodging. (laughs) We cheat on our tax returns, you know. We, and uh, I think it's really interesting when you look at uh, you know people who um, make uh, all sorts of products. What do they do? If you if you're providing milk, well, you can add a lot of water and call it skim milk. I know that's a what a great idea that is. You can charge more for the milk that's been uh, that had water added. That just like it's a classic. I, I'm, it's like a success story, isn't it? Like imagine that people can do that. Or what about like cornflakes? You can put cardboard in. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, um, there's so many things you can do to cheat and get more money. See, and there are so many businesses all around us doing that. Have you ever been to Woolies or Coles and you look at the products that you used to buy? You know, they used to be a kilo, but now it's only seven fifty for the same price. You know, there's all sorts of things going on out there, and it's it's all wheeling and it's all dealing, and it's all to get the create the greatest profit. For the, you know, for the business or for the stakeholders. Now we're in a society now where there's not one person in charge of a business. It's a, it's like there's stakeholders or shareholders everywhere. And so these people are responsible to bring a return so they get, you know, in return on their investment. And so what they have to do is they have to lie, cheat and steal to make the profit for their stakeholders. We're in a society or in a state or in a country that's in trouble, aren't we? This is going on all around us. The Lord calls it abominable for people to cheat their own you know, countrymen and the world. It's a terrible thing to do and we can so easily get caught in, up in it. 
And I think for us, if we're like, if you've got a business, it's so easy to start thinking that way, isn't it? How can I save money? How can I do this? How can I add that? How can I get more for this? How can I do that? We're, we're always calculating and we're always working, you see. We naturally flow toward being wicked. We naturally flow to wickedness and to gaining more for ourselves. That's what sin is, isn't it? It's selfishness. I want more for me so that I may be okay. And so when we start to you know, make money or receive money, we start to work on how we can make more. The more we have, the more we want. The more we want, the more we're prepared to cheat and fuzz the edges to make more uh, there. And so that's the first thing we see. It's an abomination to God. But the other thing, and the main thing, I think, is uh, chapter 11, verse 4, that says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Now, you know, if we, we have to get this one, this is so powerful. Because you see, if you're not wise, then you're not resilient. You see, it says there that um, wealth is worthless. So you can have a million billion dollars in the bank, and it is worthless on the day of wrath. Now, you know, we're Christians, so we think it's, you know, judgment day. But no, the day of wrath is the day when something dreadful happens to you. So you've got a million billion dollars in the bank, and you've got cancer, and it's aggressive and you've got six months left to live. Money is totally useless for that. You know, you've, got, you've lost a loved one. Money is totally useless for that. Your relationship is broken down. Money will not help that. You can try, but it's not going to help, is it? Money will not help you when it comes to real life. It's a delusion, isn't it, to think that money will actually help you. Money will not help you in the day of wrath. But what we tend to do is we tend to focus on money or keep money or believe the lies of money and not become resilient, you see. Because what we need to do is build character. Because money will not help you on the day of wrath, only character will, won't it? And so if something drastic happens to you, this terrible thing, you lose a loved one, then you know what to do. But if you put all your hope in money and possessions and things, then suddenly you find that this is totally useless and you are not prepared to face the day of wrath and you are a complete mess. It brings death. It brings death to the, to the heart and to the spirit and to the soul. And so as we seek to gain more money and find security in it, we find that we, we're not resilient for dealing with the day of wrath. And so we need to be very careful about that and to, to learn it now. If our life is going well, if your life's going well now, then you need to learn that. The day of wrath, days of wrath, months of a year of wrath, it could be terrible things happening for a long time, you need to prepare for that when things are going well. And so don't trust in possessions, don't trust in your income or your abilities, trust in God, build good godly friendships, and you will have what you need for the day of wrath. Does that make sense? It's good, isn't it? It's true. All right, what's the next thing? It, it, um, verse, uh, chapter 30, verse 8 and 9 says, Keep falsehood and lies from me, O God. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonour 
the name of my God. Do you see what happens there? He's teaching us what can happen. If we have too much, then we can say, who is the Lord? Who is, have you heard anyone in the Bible say, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Pharaoh, remember? So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said, God says that uh, let my people go. And he said, who is the Lord? I am, I am the Lord. No one's going to tell me anything because I'm the Lord. You see, that's the same thing. And so if we gain all this stuff and possession for ourselves, then we can say, who is the Lord? We're the Lord. We don't need lords. We're okay. And isn't that the ultimate wickedness and the ultimate danger that will bring death and destruction? And so it says there very clearly that if I have too much and I focus on that, then I'll focus on receiving security from the things that I have And then when I do that, then I won't be ready for that day of wrath. I won't have what I need and I won't be a blessing to those around me in my family or in my community. And so we need to learn that. The other one is chapter uh, 10, verse 15. We read it at the beginning. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Now, this this is really interesting. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Now, so, you know, we don't understand a fortified city anymore. But if you can imagine a fortified city at the time, the fortified city is the safest place you can go, right? And so if you have possessions and wealth and gold and jewels and all these sorts of things, you need to bring it into the city, the walled city. That is the safest place. That's, you know, if you leave it out in the paddock, you know, you'd have to either hide it or you'd have to defend it from all sorts of marauding armies, you know, or bandits or all sorts of people going through. So the city is the safest place. And so if there's a threat, what you do is you gather up all your possessions, you race into the city, you slam the door, and then you feel safe. That's, that's what you do. Okay. But we're supposed to learn that um, God is our ultimate fortified city. And so what the world does or what the wicked does or what the fool does is trusts in his possessions, Right? And so you find security in your possession. So what you do is you say, oh no, trouble's coming. That's okay. I've got all this money. I've got all these possessions. I'm okay. So you run in there and you say, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. But are you safe? You're not safe from the day of wrath. But we get that delusion that if we have plenty of money, we'll be okay. And so we, we tend to run to it as if it's a fortified city, as if it's a safe place. And yet for us, the opposite is true. If we were to run into that fortified city, we would find that it's an illusion. It's a mirage. There's nothing there that it can offer or give. Only very temporary happiness for a little while, and even then it's shallow. We need to know that God is our only fortified city. He is our fortress. He is our rock. He is our stronghold, isn't he? That's who God is. So how does that work? How does that work? Well, what it is, is you say, God is your father. The God of the universe says, you are my child. I love you as much as I love Jesus. You are my child. And so do you believe that? Yes, you do. I hope that well, you believe that. Uh, good. God is your father. The God of the universe, you are his child. Okay. God has all authority over everything. He knows everything. Do you believe that? God knows everything. God knows everything. We believe that? 
Okay, good, good. God is in complete control of history. All of history is going to be played out according to his will and purpose. Is that right? Yes, I'm hoping, you know, because otherwise he's not God, isn't it? <laughs> All right. And God loves you with a perfect love that he'll do whatever it takes for your good. God will do whatever it takes for your good, even if it's sent his one and only son to come and die for you. He will do whatever it takes for your good, okay? And so that's God, right? He's your father. He has all authority. He knows all of, he's in charge of all of history and he loves you with a perfect love and do, will do whatever for your good. Okay. That is a strong tower. That is a fortified city. There is nothing more solid or nothing more secure than that. A relationship with the God of the universe, you see. And so we, the wise, righteous people, have to say, okay, when trouble happens, where do I go? I go to the one who is my father, who knows all things, who has complete control of history and who loves me perfectly and will do whatever it is for my good, even if I don't understand it. If we believe that God, which is that's the only God there is in the world, then he will be our fortified city. If there's one of those we miss, then he's not our fortified city. And so ask yourself the question, when you are in trial or when you're sad or when you're going through difficulties, if there's a, a small problem, where do you run? Do you run to God who is your fortress, your stronghold, the one who will protect you and care for you and do whatever it is for your good? Do you go to him? You need to go to him because anything else is an illusion and a mirage and it won't work. And yet in our own heart, in this, if you're looking at me now, this heart in here, there is a tendency to trust other things apart from God. Do you feel it, the battle within? There's a battle within to say, oh, no, I'm going to trust my own abilities. I'm going to trust my own intelligence or my own looks or I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to run into that. No, I've got to say no. I am useless and worthless. I need to get into the presence of God and then I'm loved and I have all that I need. Okay, so if, if you've got this message, what we're going to do is we're going to test, you're going to test yourself. You're going to test yourself now. Okay, test yourself now. This is what we're going to do. Okay, so you've got money, right? So you've got money in the bank. I hope you've all got something in the, in the bank. What is the thing that you can easily spend money on? What can you easily spend money on? What just, you don't even think about it. Oh, that's mine. <laughs> I was, I was thinking all week about, what do I easily spend on? I must be tired or something. <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, yeah. You know, so it's coffee is, well, it's twice the price today. You go, oh, well. <laughs> you know, see? Okay. Anything else? What, what, to, you don't have to say it out loud. <laughs> Think of it in your own heart. What is the thing that you have no trouble spending money on? It's interesting, isn't it? I've met people who have said, um, okay, you know, they, they're very tight, you know, they don't have a lot of money, they have to be very careful, and it's very hard for them to give to charities and to churches and things like that, it's very hard. But then they want to get a four-wheel drive, $80,000, and they go, that's fine, I'll just get a loan. <laughs> and then they'll start paying the loan off. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? So your heart will say, yes, you know, that's what I need. Okay, so ask yourself, what, what is it for you? What can you easily spend money on? You don't even think about it. Because what happens in, in, in churches, what we find, is that when it comes to giving to the poor, 
or giving to the needy or giving to the gospel work, it's always harder. You know, there's some resistance within us. You know, there's this, ooh, that's a lot of money I could spend on other things. You know, you notice your own heart there. There's a battle going on, isn't there? The word of the Lord tells us that God is our strong tower. We can depend completely on him. We should get rid of every other God and only run to him. And if we only ran to him and discovered who he is, imagine our lives. Can you imagine? Imagine your life where you, the only God in your life is the God of the universe. Imagine if he was the only God in your heart. How would you be living? You'd be living with joy, generosity, kindness, love. You would be a completely different person. I would be a completely different person because what we need to understand is in each one of our hearts there are so many gods seeking for our attention and for us to put our security in. And so what we need to see is God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is the only one that matters. God is the one who provides everything. And so why would we dare? Why would we be silly enough to go after things and to keep things for ourselves. Why would we? Well, it's because of sin, isn't it? The book of Proverbs teaches this so clearly. Why can't we be generous? It's because money becomes a fortified city that we would run to. See, money is a very powerful thing. Isn't it? The love of money is a very powerful thing. It says to you, if you get enough of me, you'll be okay. If you get enough of me, you'll be fine. That's what money says, doesn't it, to you? Get enough of me and your life will be easy. <laughs> I know. Win Tats Lotto. Imagine if you won Tats Lotto and suddenly ended up with $7 billion. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't your life be great after that? No. <laughs> It'd be a disaster. But money says that. And, and we, in our own hearts, believe that's true. And go for it when we need to understand that God is our only refuge and our only strength. Okay, so have I got you uh, feeling good now? Are you good? You're a, you believe me? It's good? Sorry? You're okay? Okay, I think so. You're, waiting, you're worried about what I'm going to say next now. <laughs> well, how are we going to get out of this? How can we get rid of this you know, this, this, that's in there. You know, how can we get rid of this evil, wicked person inside our own hearts? Our own hearts wants to deceive us and to run after other things. What do we do? Well, it says here in uh, Proverbs 11, verse 24, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Or 11 verse 16, people curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. And so what it says there, it's such a beautiful thing. It says, you know, one person gives freely and gains even more. And it's that, uh, you know, the New Testament principle, isn't it, to, to reap what you sow. To be generous, if you, if you sow generously, then you will reap generously. If you give away, then you will receive even more. It's an amazing thing. You know, we tend to think, oh, okay, so if I put, you know, a lot more money in the collection, then I'll get a lot more money back. No, that's not what it says, is it? As you spread your seed, you don't get more seed back, you get fruit. 
you get produce back, see? So what we're saying is that whatever you have, you give away, and as you give it away, more will be returned to you. You see, if I give away $100 and get $1,000 back, is that okay? <laughs> How much joy would that bring me? Not much at all. But if I give away to the poor and I give away um, to the gospel, um, you know, reaching Pakenham and I find people discovering Jesus through the work and through the money and through the things we're giving away, there is no greater joy than that, than people finding what it means to leave wicked ways and to live righteously and find true joy, peace and happiness. The people that are not running after things from other things, but they run into God and they find they have all that they need. If you run after anything apart from God, you'll never have enough. And God says, if you come to me, you'll have all that you need and you'll have enough to scatter and give away and then you will receive far more back. Oh, a hundredfold will come in to those who give away. And so what we need to do is understand that principle, see? So if we can live that principle out, then we will find ourselves trusting in God, running to him more and growing more in our relationship with him. See, The other thing that we need to do then is what Sean did for us, was go straight to the cross. We need the cross of Christ in the centre of our heart. Because when you have the cross of Christ in the centre of your heart, then you will see what true generosity really is. Then you will know what joy really comes from from Jesus giving his life for us. See, the God of the universe, he is our father because Jesus did the work of enabling us to become his child. He has all authority. He knows everything. He is in charge of all of history and he will do whatever it takes for your good. And he wants you to see that, that you received all of that through the cross. It came through Jesus. The cross needs to be in the centre of your heart. You need to be filled with Jesus to understand what true sacrifice is and what true generosity is, and then suddenly you'll find yourself set free. Can you imagine? If the money in your life loses its divinity, it, it's just money. It's just something that I can use to scatter to bless others with. Can you imagine? Can you even think about that now? Does that even make sense? If you said, I've got all this cash, it's only cash, something I can use. What, what does your heart tell you when, I, when you hear me say that? For me, it's like, oh, hang on. <laughs> Do you find that in your heart? This is, oh, hang on. That's the unbelief that we need to convert, isn't it? That's the work of the, the Spirit of God applying the gospel of God to our lives. No, all we have to have is Jesus. He has all authority. He's going to be with us always. We have all that we need, and so all we need to do is follow him. The rich young ruler had to learn that lesson, didn't he? Sell all your possessions and follow me. And so for us, we can let go of all our possessions. God might not be calling us to give it all away, but he's calling us to let go of it so that we can cling to him. And as we cling to him, we are filled with him, and then we are free to live wise lives. And it's just amazing that um, you know we're celebrating the Lord's Supper and this is where we're going to put the cross of Christ in the centre of our hearts. The sacrifice that Jesus made for us in the centre of our hearts. It's where our life comes from. 
It's where our hope comes from. It's where our joy comes from. It's where our peace comes from. It's where our patience comes from. And it's where all wisdom comes from. When we're filled with him, we're filled with wisdom. When we're filled with wisdom, we know how to live. And then suddenly our communities will be blessed because we're in it. We'll bless our own lives. We'll bless our own families. We'll bless our own communities because we won't be hoarding, but we'll be scattering. And so we're to be scatterers. Scatterers of what we have and scatterers of the gospel of Christ. And so let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for these wonderful words. We thank you that it's so true that you love us with a perfect love. That Lord, you gave us your one and only Son. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave your life for us. Please forgive us for making light of it and for clinging to things instead of you. Lord, we, we can see our own hearts and see how freely and quickly and easily we cling to things instead of you. Please forgive us, but please empower us by your Spirit. Show us your word. Show us who Jesus is in us. Show us who we are in you so that we may grow in all that and that we may be set free to be a blessing to others and to make disciples and to be witnesses. Lord, help us to do this. And Lord, as we now partake in the Lord's Supper, Lord, we pray that we may see this ultimate generosity of yours in our lives, that this may be put in the centre of our lives today so that we will live every day from now until the rest of our lives, uh, living it for your glory and in your strength and with your wisdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all those who agreed said, Amen.